Hello, my name is Daniel Kelly and this is May Contain, the podcast breaking the stigma of what it's really like living with a severe food allergy. I have lived with a peanut allergy since I was five, so I'll be talking about the different situations I've come across over the last 20 years living with food allergy, whether that's dating, going out with your friends, living abroad, hopefully give you guys like a really good insight into what it's like living with food allergy. Hi and welcome to another episode of May Contain. I'm joined by Amanda from Everyday Allergy Free and I think a lot of you guys will know in the allergy community, she's a massive allergy advocate, she's got her own allergy cookbook, she shows us amazing allergy free recipes. So yeah, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be joining you. I know, I've been kind of like following your journey and it's been amazing for me as well, like to kind of reach out to different allergy advocates like overseas as well. Um, you're based in Toronto now? Yeah, I'm in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, so it's been amazing obviously to reach out to different kind of allergy advocates like yourself overseas to kind of find out about your allergies. So for anyone who might have not heard of Everyday Allergy Free, could you do like a little bit of like an introduction to yourself and how you got started? Sure. So uh, I live with multiple anaphylactic food allergies. I'm allergic to peanuts, nuts, dairy, soy protein, and legumes. And I've lived with these allergies my whole life. And I started blogging because many years ago, there weren't a lot of allergy blogs that talked about the adult food food allergy experience. And I had had a really bad anaphylactic reaction in my mid-20s, and it really shook me up. And so I just started writing about it and sharing it. And ever since then, my mission has just been really to inspire confidence in people living with food allergy because it's easy to feel kind of alone or um, uncertain if these feelings you're having are normal. And it's nice to connect with other people. And social media just allows us to do that in like the most wonderful way. I think social media has just been such a powerful platform, definitely for like the allergy community to kind of share their experiences. And I've been reading for your blog posts and it was actually like really informative and interesting. And you are really open about your allergies and kind of managing allergies. Did you struggle like growing up with having like some severe allergies like going to university and having to be vocal about it? I think for me, when I was in high school, it was a struggle, mostly because um, all throughout elementary school, you know, I had my, my friends knew I you know went to school with the same people for so many years. But then suddenly you go to high school and you're thrown into this school with like 2000 kids and it's a lot of people and people don't know you and they're not familiar. And suddenly it feels like you have to be explaining yourself all the time. And there were very few other kids in my school with food allergy. Most of them were just peanut allergy and one of the other allergy kids with my brother. So there just weren't a lot of us. It wasn't really that common. And I did struggle with it. I did um, deal with some allergy bullying or exclusion because like some of the things that I did were kind of weird compared to what other kids were doing. But um, by the time I got to university, I think I, I had my eyes set on, you know, I, there was a university I really wanted to go to and I was accepted there. And my parents said, okay, you are free to live in residence if that's what you want to do, but you have to live in residence that has a kitchen so that you can actually cook for yourself because there's just no way that the cafeteria food is going to be reliable enough for you without having to eat the exact same thing every single day of your life. So we made it work and yeah. Do you remember like the kind of the first day we got to university and obviously you take on this massive kind of responsibility because imagine your parents would have obviously educated about your allergy of what, what not to do or what to do and was it quite scary then kind of taking on that responsibility for the first time and having to cook for yourself or was it was cooking something you was always doing? Um, you know what? I always was 
for many, many years, I was always the main cook in our family anyways. So in terms of that, it wasn't, it wasn't actually too much of a transition. Um, I went to University of Toronto and we had, at the time it was called the Disabilities Office. I think they've switched it to the Accessibilities Office, but basically I went there and I told them, listen, I'm accepted to the school. I really want to live in residence, but um, I have to live in this one residence building that has apartment style units because of my food allergy. And they were like, okay, no problem. It was a really small residence building and it was very unlikely that I would have been placed there if I hadn't spoken to them. And so they made sure that I was in that unit. And um, there was also another girl who had multiple food allergies who was going to U of T and wanted to live in residence. So they actually put the two of us together in first year. So I ended up going there and there was this other girl who was my age and had a very similar list of allergies to me. She couldn't have nuts, peanuts, dairy. Um, she couldn't have egg as well. So they were like, it was kind of, it was surreal because I had never met a person with allergies like mine. I had only met kids with peanut and nut allergies. And then suddenly I moved off to university, which I was so, so excited about. And then there was this other girl and I was like, oh, what, what a great surprise. Like <laughs> who would have thought that this would happen? That's amazing. That must have like really like reduced your anxiety as well. Imagine like meeting someone like yourself with all these allergies. Um, did you kind of click straight away as soon as you found out she had allergies too? Yeah. I mean, it was funny because we actually didn't really have that much in common outside of the allergy, but we were like, you know, friends because we had this, this shared experience. And there were four people living in our apartment um, and the residence, Dawn, who's like the supervisor of the floor. Um, she really, really understood food allergy, like right off the bat, even though it wasn't a part of her life. And so that made a huge difference, too, because every time we had like a movie night on our floor or like whatever residence activities, she would always make me something that I could eat. She would have it like prepared separately. The dishes were washed with a different sponge. Like she thought of all of these things and I, I hadn't expected her to. And so it was a really nice surprise. And so I actually felt very welcomed in the university experience with my allergies. And I also had this ally, you know, that I lived with. And so instead of me having to explain to people in my apartment, like all about allergies, it was me and this other girl. And so we got to do it together. And that was so much better than having to be the only person doing it. And then on our fridge, we had <laughs> my roommates kind of like they really embraced it. And um, so on our fridge, we had these whiteboard markers and we had this like giant peanut on the fridge that's crossed out. <laughs> Where it's like no one bring nuts into this unit <laughs> that's quite nice though it's quite nice like 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 you said they can joke about it and like educate like the other housemates for, like no nuts in the kitchen because it's so important definitely with like cross-contamination that's something i didn't even really think about as a teenager going to university like the risk of cross-contamination if someone does kind of cut with nuts in the kitchen and my roommates used to like put newspaper down if they were cooking. So there would be like newspaper all over the counters because we didn't have a dishwasher. So everything was washed by hand. So yeah, they would put newspaper over the counters to, and then they just like fold it up after. So all the crumbs would be in there and they'd like throw it all out and stuff. That's so nice of him. They seem like so understanding. I, I imagine, imagine that must have like obviously definitely helped your anxiety and your nerves, obviously knowing that your housemates are going to take you out of your city. So you mentioned earlier that your brother's got an allergy yeah, too. Yeah, my older brother. Was that, was that, was that quite good then kind of growing up? with someone to relate to obviously one of your siblings having a severe allergy as well yeah it was kind of interesting my mom also has um food allergies so it was no way so it runs in the family 
I guess it must be genetic. Now we know. Um, but yeah, my, my family, we all handle it in completely different ways. And so my mom's allergic to nuts and peanuts. My brother is nuts, peanuts, cantaloupe, and certain shellfish, not all shellfish. Um, and then, you know, mine. So we all had different allergies. So we always had our allergens in our home. But um, it was kind of just normal for us. Like we had a way to manage it because my parents were worried about taking dairy and soy out of my brother's diet because then what if he developed an allergy? And then they were worried about taking shellfish out of my diet because what if I developed an allergy? So they kind of just wanted to like keep everything in. But my mom was like military like cleanliness because you couldn't risk having crumbs out or like dishes with residue because it was like you know, the risk of cross contact was so much higher. So it was me like, I don't know, we had a way to work around it. But yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, that's quite, yeah, it's really fascinating. Like, obviously, like your mum's got an allergy and your brother's got an allergy. Can we talk a little bit about like, obviously your family and your upbringing um, with a severe allergy? Were your parents always very kind of like, um, did they stop you going to parties? Or was they always like making sure that you could always attend these events or attend these social events and making sure that you wasn't missing out as a kid growing up with a severe allergy? Yeah, my parents, like, we never really spoke too much about the emotional side of food allergy. It was really only when I was an adult that I started to acknowledge that I had, like, this anxiety about it. But when I was a kid, my parents were always like, you should do everything. Like, do everything. The only things that they kind of put the brakes on were when I wanted to go to an overnight school. And that's also, it's not like normal for Canadian kids to go to boarding school. So they were like, why do you want to do that? First of all. And second of all, (laughs) that just seems like way too much maintenance. Like we don't need to worry about that. Um, but generally, yeah, generally they always, they wanted me to always try everything. They also wanted me to eat in restaurants a lot. And, um, I'm glad that they did because I think if you go for a long time without eating in restaurants, as a food allergy person, it can become kind of like a hurdle. Like it can, it can become a really stressful experience. So growing up, I, we ate in restaurants at least a couple times a week usually. And so that kind of became normalized behavior for me. But I would say that we were very particular about where we ate. Um, and you know, we did travel, but we didn't really do a ton of overseas travel. Um, mostly we did like road trips throughout Canada, road trips throughout the US so that it was just a bit easier to like grocery shop along the way, um, speaking common language and things like that, that just made the trips easier. But um, in terms of like birthday parties and stuff, it was the same thing. They always just sent me with my piece of cake and, and that was that, <laughs> like they coordinated with the parents or whatever. I think that's so important as well. Like trying to not like, like you said, like with a restaurant, like, starting when you're young as well so you do feel comfortable to go into a restaurant and kind of like speak up about your allergy when you did kind of like go to university what what, what i was gonna say as well i thought you, you obviously spoke about allergies obviously in the kitchen at home and you obviously started at university and you got a job as a barrister can you can we talk to the listeners a bit about that because obviously you was dealing with certain allergens and how you kind of dealt with that yeah um so I wanted a job, a summer job, and um, I was—I think I was like at that time I was 19, but I was also, you know, at home like being very comfortable. And my mom was like, "Listen, you cannot just sit at home this summer. There's a new restaurant opening. Go there and don't come home oh, yeah. until you are employed." <laughs> and I was like, 
Okay, cool. So um, I went there and um, first they asked if I wanted to work in the kitchen. And I was like, you know what? I think that would just be difficult because then I wouldn't be able to taste the food. And then I think that would just be like a weird challenge. So then they asked if I wanted to be a server and I was like, eh. but then they offered me barista. And I was like, you know what? That's actually a really great job for me because I can wear gloves if I want it. Um, I have control of my own station. There's no one else working in my station. It would just be me. And it was actually a really great exercise for managing my anxiety um, because I was around my allergens all day long. I was handling Emirati cookies every time someone ordered a coffee. I was frothing milk that was dairy based, you know, occasionally like milk would like splash up and I'd have to manage, okay, did it actually hit my face or am I just projecting and worrying? And so it, it forced me to like manage my emotions in a way that I think was really good for me in the long run, even though sometimes it was challenging, it was definitely worth it. And I think with like the emotion side of like allergies, it's not something which was like ever kind of, it definitely wasn't spoke to me as a young kid growing up with an allergy. Like you might, deal with anxiety because you got an allergy or you might deal with this and I think it is really good obviously you spoke like very openly about this on your blog post where you kind of speak about anxiety um, do you have kind of any advice uh, maybe a young listener about how you've kind of managed your anxiety with an allergy well I think first acknowledging that you have it um, it took me so many years to actually understand that I have anxiety and I think when I was a kid, I remember once telling my brother, like I was having these, all these emotions about it. And I remember telling him, I really wish like a scientist could study me right now. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, no, like, I'm like, I don't know how to explain this, but like something's happening and I need a scientific study. <laughs> and he was like, all right, okay. <laughs> are you sure about that? He's like, what? <laughs> but my brother never experienced anxiety really about his food allergies. I, we're just very different personality types. And so we didn't really relate on that, even though we were both living with multiple food allergies. And so when I was an adult, I finally came to understand it. But by the time I did, I had kind of allowed myself to get so deep into the anxiety that at that point it was holding me back from certain things in life. And then that wasn't good. It didn't feel good. It felt like very claustrophobic. And then I had um, a reaction when I was 25 that it was like the worst reaction I can remember, um, even though I've had many, that one just really stood out to me. And I think because I had a reaction as an adult and I was the one responsible for my own safety. And I think I just felt like a failure and I had to learn over time that it's not a failure and, and it's almost like a strength if you recover from something so dangerous and, you know, you can acknowledge that it it's something that you've lived through and you're now stronger. So you don't have to think of yourself as a failure just because you had a reaction and you're always striving to not have a reaction. And I would also say, don't be shy about seeking help and like speaking to a therapist. I had a therapist when I was 19, uh, 19 to 20 ish. And it really did help to like talk about it openly. And I think it also allowed me to like discover a lot of these kind of judgments that I was placing on myself or rules that I felt like I had to live by that were just holding me back from doing things that I wanted to do. I think that's so interesting. Even like not from like an allergy, I've got like close friends which like see therapists and like each one have just said that they've been absolutely incredible to kind of 
understand their emotions and how to kind of deal with their emotions in a certain way. And it's been really fascinating when they kind of talk to me about it. And I've I even I write questions like, oh, would it be good to see a therapist so I can get a bit of understanding why do I feel like this way or why do you feel like that? So yeah, it's I think it was great when you did kind of spot like speak very openly about it online, like of this is what has helped me. And I think that's absolutely incredible. So kind of talking about, obviously, if we go into the topic of cooking, cooking is one of your massive kind of passions. Um, obviously you do all these amazing algae-free recipes on your kind of Instagram and social media. Where did that passion come from? Is that from like a really young age or is it something which you kind of got into later on in life? Oh, that is from a super, super young age. Like my parents have videos of me at two years old, like cleaning fish, so that I could like cook them. Like it's, I just, I've always loved it from the moment I could consciously like understand things. <laughs> I've been into cooking. And I think that's one of the ways that my parents felt like they could empower me to love food because I think they were really worried that I would fear food or that I wouldn't be interested because so much of it was like not okay for me. Um, so they really, really empowered me to cook and be involved in the kitchen. And I just, totally ate it up. I loved like any food show when I was a kid. Like I loved going to the grocery store and the markets and the, you know, I was just obsessed. And, um, my dad's, uh, my dad's from Italy. And so my grandparents have held on to like so much of our cultural food traditions. And so my Nona taught me a lot of different skills in the kitchen. And it was always really a family affair. Like we would make pasta together. We would, you know, get, food from the garden together like these were all really important things in my life growing up and it's it's really just been a lifelong obsession honestly yeah that's amazing though it's amazing that you found that passion like you said my nan is cooking and she's made these amazing like dumplings and i remember you remember these memories as a kid as well and i'll go around to your, like your nana's house and they're doing like homemade kind of like cooking and i remember these dumplings was absolutely incredible um you kind of spoke about obviously obviously managing your idea like later on in life and like you said you was going around to your nana's but it got a bit more difficult then obviously making sure that she, she was always making sure that she was using the same brand of pasta if you was like allergic to it yeah, so there is a language barrier because um, my grandparents never really <laughs> learned to speak English. So, and I've tried to learn to speak Italian so many times, but I'm just not <laughs> that great at it. And um, not natural, right? <laughs> <laughs> unless you're speaking it in your home, it's so difficult to pick up like a really great language skill. So, anyways, it, it did become a bit of a challenge when I was older um, because as my grandparents lost, you know lose their hearing a bit or lose some elements of sight or like things that make it challenging already, then you're trying to communicate with them. Oh, also the thing that you're used to buying every single week, by the way, the ingredients can change and have changed. And some brands that you used to buy actually aren't okay anymore. And you know, my Nona can't read all these English labels with all this different stuff on them. Sometimes she might think she's grabbing the brand she usually does. And then turns out it's something completely different. So it did get a little bit stressful. Um, and then add on to that, that my allergies have changed as I got older. I used to be able to have a lot more legumes. Um, but then I remember one time we were at their house for lunch and my Nona made some fava beans and I had a few bites and I was just completely covered in hives and I was swollen. 
And then it's difficult to explain that the allergies are changing over time and, and then she feels bad. And I just feel like it's become a bit difficult. Um, it, it has, it has definitely become a bit difficult. And there's also kind of the older generation's way of cooking in the sense that by the time you arrive at your grandmother's house, you know, everything is prepared and it's on the table and it's time to eat. And it's different from how my family is now where like, people are coming over, it's okay if the food is still in process <laughs> and not, not everything has to be presented perfectly and ready for you. It's okay to cook together more. And so that was a bit challenging as well because by the time I'm there for lunch, everything has already been done and there's no room to adjust things or to read the labels. And, and then it's almost a little bit offensive if you're then asking to read something. And so it, yeah, it's become a bit challenging, but I think it, it really, it really bothered me a lot over the last few years, especially because my grandmother's so old now and I want to spend time together. Um, but the way that we found around it is that Brandon and I just host people at our place more often. So like yeah. instead of going to her place for Easter lunch, we'll just host it at our place and then she comes here and then we still get to spend the time together, but I don't have to worry about using my EpiPen. <laughs> So I'm exactly like that. I remember, I remember when we like, my nanny had like 50th or so like 60th like kind of anniversary parties or like birthday parties. And I always remember like always bringing me on like pat lunch, even though they had like a buffet of all this like incredible food. And my mum my was like, oh, like we'll make you like a pat lunch thing, which is not quite the same, but it's always better, like you said, to kind of cut for yourself because then you know everything what goes into the food. And it's like the other day, my housemates, um, it's a housemate's birthday and um, one of the parents like like made like a birthday cake and I was like are you gonna have a piece and I was a bit like oh like I'm not sure like, and, I was like, and I feel a bit rude but I'm like oh yeah have some later then I'm like oh no uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's always best when you can see like all the kind of the ingredients and the allergies what goes into it and kind of what was really interesting was you you've kind of spoke about obviously getting a job which obviously give you the opportunity to travel with an allergy was it was that quite a tricky decision at the time, obviously getting given this amazing job where you're gonna be able to travel then was you always a bit, oh, what if my allergy is gonna stop me from going to these different countries? You know what, I, I actually didn't even think about it at all when I took the job. When I, when I had the interview, they told me, okay, you're gonna to have to go to Frankfurt, you're gonna to have to go potentially to Bologna, you're gonna to have to go to New York a few times a year, you're gonna to have to go to London. Sounds amazing. And I was like, all right, give me the job. <laughs> let's let's so, do yeah, this. I, I would be like, as soon as I said, said New York, I would be like, yeah, I've never, I've never been to New York, you see. So be, oh my God, Dan, you have to go. You have to go. Is it amazing? What's the food like there, by the way? I actually find New York is pretty good with food allergies. I usually am able to get a few good restaurant meals every time I go. So, yeah. But when I was when I got the job, I was like, all right, let's do it. Like, I'll just, I'll worry about my allergies later. It's like, we can solve that because I want this job. And if I have to go on these trips and like not be full the whole time, that's fine. Like, it's fine. They're not food centered trips, you know, they're trips centered around going to a book fair because I worked in publishing or whatever, going for meetings and I'll just worry about my allergies later. Um, Sometimes it was stressful when I actually arrived. And then, you know, when, when you're the client, everyone wants to take you out to dinner and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so there were times when it was challenging. Um, 
It was always funny when I would like go to Frankfurt and then go to dinner with someone from Toronto and someone from London. And it's like, it's just, it was so interesting. But um, fortunately, I went for one dinner and everyone in Frankfurt, apparently like all those speaks Italian. It was super common there. And the guy that I was out for dinner with happened to speak Italian, even though he was English. Anyways, it all worked out and he was able to like fully translate my allergies to the server. So I was able to get a meal. But at first I walked into this restaurant and I'm like this, you know, person who's like trying to prove themselves in the corporate world. And I'm out for dinner with these guys who are like executives and I'm like trying to be professional. But at the same time, I see that there's these like massive like wheels of Parmesan cheese all around the restaurant. And then they were taking all the pasta and like tossing it in the wheel of cheese. Having like a panic attack. You know, where you're like trying to stay calm in this situation. You're like, uh, like inside you're absolutely dying. I'm sitting at the table and I'm like, so let's talk business as I'm like looking around and everything. Oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I always found a way around it. I think- You must be quite good under pressure now, I can imagine. <laughs> once going through that experience where you see all your allergens, it's like, it's like poison, isn't it? Like all around you, <laughs> yeah. like, I could get through this, like. That's exactly what it felt like. And, but you know, there were times, there were times when I would say like, I handled it really well, but then there were also times when I really struggled with it. Um, I don't remember how many trips I did for that job, but there were many. Um, but I remember at one point we were in London for 10 days and I had an Airbnb. So at least I was like able to cook for myself and much to my pleasant surprise, like there were tons of great restaurants with food allergies in London. So, um, I was able to eat a few really good meals, but it got to the point where I just like couldn't handle it anymore. And I actually started to feel like physically ill because I was like, I had been away from home for, you know, over a week and I was not eating properly. And it, I don't know, I think it just started to weigh on me and my anxiety. And, um, then I actually started to feel sick and I like skipped a dinner. I actually skipped two dinners, um, because I just didn't feel well, but I realized afterwards that I didn't feel well because I was so anxious. So even though I had moments where I felt like I was really like strong and confident about my allergies while going on these business trips, there were also moments where my anxiety really got the best of me. And I remember the last trip I ever went on, I went to Frankfurt and I found Frankfurt to be a very stressful trip because we were at this book fair all day long. I had to just like throw some food in my bag for lunch, had to eat a really quick breakfast in the morning. And then at night there were always these like really elaborate dinners and they just, it was hard because I was going into a situation where there was me, my colleague, and then there might be like six or eight other people at the table from other countries who I've never met before. And you're trying to converse and have like this business relationship with them. But then also you don't, you don't want to look like vulnerable or like weak. But like you said, it is so important to kind of start that conversation and, and make the restaurants aware. Especially because a lot of people kind of associate, if, if they're not familiar with food allergy, they sometimes tend to associate it with like a children's problem. Wanted to get over, like I didn't want people to see me as like a junior person or as young. I wanted to like fit in and yeah. So at, at points that was challenging with work, but um, then there was one, one customer or sorry, I was the customer. There was one other um, colleague who really did like go out of his way to understand my food allergies. And he was also from another company in Toronto. And so whenever we went for work lunches in Toronto, he would always take me to this restaurant that he knew I could eat at. 
So it was really nice because we did go for a lot of business lunches and yeah, knowing that he got it and he would be like, okay, I booked us at like this location. I know you can eat there. And one time he booked it somewhere else. And then he was like, no, no, we're going back to your restaurant. Cause- we're going back that way. You know, he said, and um, I, I remember now it was like Julianne was saying that like, when she lived in Shanghai, like she had the same situation where they would like eat out in restaurants with like businessmen. And there's times where like, they didn't quite understand because of their culture and like lifestyle and maybe not having many allergies over there. So when she was saying like, I can't eat the food, like she was like, sometimes it could get seen as like disrespectful. And you're like, no, I'm not being disrespectful. Like this could, food could actually kill me. But she was like, I was so thankful that there's a like American businessman who completely understood allergies. So he could like translate to them that like, she could not eat the food. That- <laughs> yeah, it, it can be perceived as disrespectful sometimes. I mean, oh God, I remember, I was once out at this dinner um, in Frankfurt as well, and it was it was quite elaborate, and there were many different courses, and there were all people there from different companies and stuff. And um, I just had a plain salad, but I had call or I had emailed the restaurant ahead of time, knowing that I was going there, like before I even left Toronto. And they said, "Oh, that's absolutely no problem. Like we'll be able to make you something." So I went into it with the attitude that I'm going to eat something at this restaurant. So I went there, I ordered a salad. Everyone was having these like big communal plates of like pastas and roast meats and like all these beautiful things. And then I spoke to the server and he was like, he, he was like, oh yeah, you can eat, you know, there's, there's no dairy in anything. And I was like, okay. But my gut told me that I should just wait for the first course to come and see what it looked like and whether I really believed him. <laughs> It's so important to go with that gut feeling, isn't it? You know, when you know when like, you speak to someone, you're like, I don't, I'm not quite sure they quite understand like the severity. So yeah, I think like you said, it's so important. So what happened when you got that first dish? Did you kind of wait up? Well, the first course came to the table, and it was a ravioli with cheese in it, and <laughs> so I was like, I was like, thank <laughs> like, you. I will palm, have like. a green salad, no dressing, please. I. Do you, do you struggle as well? For me, I struggle when I when I eat out is the oil, like what, what kind of oil they cook the food in. If they, do they cook it in peanut oil? Do they cook it in olive oil? And I feel like sometimes people just don't quite understand. I'm like, what oil do you cook the food in? Have you struggled with that, like eating out in restaurants and making sure that the oil doesn't catch you out? Because I feel like that's the one thing what I always feel is going to catch me out. You know what? In Toronto, it is like not very common for people to use peanut oil at all. Um, but I find when I'm traveling, it's, it's a concern for me because here we, people mostly use like canola or, um, olive oil, but peanut oil is just not really like a super popular thing for us to use. But I found that when I was, when I've been elsewhere, especially in the U S they really use a lot of peanut oil. So suddenly that was in the back of my mind, like, Oh, that's something else to consider. Cause yeah, it's, 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 I can imagine. Yeah. It's quite scary. Um, can we talk about, I thought it was really interesting where you, when you was, obviously, when you was younger, you was doing these algae-free recipes and you was writing it in like a notebook of like the different recipes. And your friend saw the book and he's like, we need to get this published. Is Was that the story? Is that how it kind of come about, your first algae book? Um, I had been keeping my recipes for so long and people would like buy me little cookbooks to write them in and stuff. And my parents actually encouraged me um, to publish a book. And it was something from the time that I was, I don't know, in middle school age. Um, 
that we knew, we knew as a family unit that like I would one day have a cookbook. <laughs> it was just a matter of how. And at that point, <laughs> at that point, I had like put it together on construction paper and it was like taped together. And I thought, okay, this is the start of something. And then um, when I was working, um, like, you know, working in, later in life, I ended up working in publishing. And then I kind of learned about the process. And then from there, I went on to like put my proposal together and, and then have my first book published. But yeah, it was something that I've, I've wanted to do my entire life. I think the one thing what really stood out to me is like the execution as well. Like it is really well designed, like beautiful photography. Like how did you kind of, was that something you was always passionate about? Obviously like your photography and your design or did you have a friend who is a graphic designer? How did you kind of go about in terms of like the, the kind of look and feel of the book? Well, um, Everyone's Welcome was, I did the photography for it and the writing, but actually the publisher has her own graphic designer and I'm so fortunate. She's like the most incredible graphic designer and she just like, they asked me like what emotions I had towards the book, what I envisioned for it. And I kind of gave them like all of my inspirations and like the artistic things that I like and they put it together. And there were certain things that I'm really particular about, like in a cookbook, either like the photos have to be like full bleed on the page every single time. You know, I like things to be consistent. Yeah. So um, they really took all of that into account. But also my first cookbook um, that came out like five years ago, um, I had actually never done a single professional photo before that. And then they, the publisher, it was a different publisher. They were interested in it. And so I ended up um, skipping work the next day after they told me they were interested. I called in sick and I stayed home and like created a photography portfolio. So I learned how to like style, photograph and edit my photos in one day. <laughs> and I had this tiny That's little amazing. portfolio. Yeah, my portfolio was like four photos and I sent it to them and then they said, okay, you can, you can do the photography yourself. So then I had to do a hundred photos in the span of six months. And that, like, if I look at my first photo versus my last photo in that book, there is a huge progression of growth because I had to learn really quickly. And from there, that's when I started, like, really focusing on um, the styling and, like, the photography aspect of it, for sure. I think that's so, like, fascinating as well. And I've, I mean, I mentioned the other day on Instagram, like, if you want to learn something, it's so important, like, to kind of get yourself out there and, like, go on YouTube um, to learn, like, like you said, maybe how to style uh, a, a cookbook or like how to write the content. And I think it's just like taking that plunge in it really. And you've kind of spoke about online before, like when you put when you put it out there to the world that I'm gonna do this, then you, then you know that like, I'm definitely gonna do this and, and you kind of set your goals. And I think that's so important. I mean, do you, what's your goals for the future now? Do you have anything kind of set in mind? Do you want to do another cookbook or an algae book? I think eventually I would like to do another cookbook, but um, I need to figure out exactly how I would position it and what it would be. I would like to do one in the future. Um, but I think right now my focus is actually more on uh, my like YouTube content and creating kind of um, a place for people with food allergies to be in mainstream food culture because so often we see like all these celebrity chefs and restaurants and this and that and there's really never like a food allergy aspect to it or there's like no one really in that world who talks about food allergy. 
So I would really like to create some content that focuses on that and like the idea of authenticity in cooking combined with food allergy and, and dig into it on like a sort of a foodie food allergy level, if that makes sense. I think, I think it's so interesting as well. And um, I think everyone's got their own kind of like niche as well. I feel like there's so many different kind of allergy advocates, but everyone has like their own like point of view, whether that's like allergy food recipes or whether that's sharing like um, your experiences. So yeah, it'd be really interesting to kind of see how you kind of like YouTube evolves. I think it's such a, a great platform. And I feel like at the minute, a lot of the advocates obviously kind of is more like Instagram, because that's where you kind of find these um, kind of allergy advocates. But I think no one at the minute has really built a, a huge audience on, on YouTube. So it'd be great to try and get that audience from Instagram onto YouTube to, to kind of build, build that audience. Your focus changes over time too. When I first started writing and blogging, my focus was like seriously on anxiety and like anxiety being in your early twenties and having food allergies. Like that was, that was totally my focus. But as I've grown, like I'm not in my early twenties anymore. So I can't really like write any new experiences. Like I can share more old ones, but you know, my life is changing. And also my, my approach to anxiety has changed a lot and I'm not in it the same way that I was before. So I feel like what I talk about has also changed over the years. And now it's, I'm starting to like return to enjoying eating and, and stuff. So there's like a lot more food content than there used to be too. So do you feel like obviously with your, your food allergy, um, obviously a lot of people kind of mention like, as you get older, like it'll be fine. And obviously in regards to getting older, do you feel like have you become different because of your food allergy or have you just become a bit more aware? Okay, I feel like there's a few important things that you said there. Where, where to start? I think in terms of when people say like it will be fine or it will be better once you're older, I think that is something that I would really like to debunk because um, it doesn't, your allergy never goes away. And if anything, as you get older, you have to learn to manage it even more independently so in some ways, it can be a bit more of an emotional load than it was when you were younger and you have the support of your parents or your siblings around you. But as you get older, it just becomes different. And I always tell people that it never gets easier per se. It just becomes different. You may have more successes some, some years. You may have more challenges other years, but it's just constantly changing. Um, but I think that growing up with a food allergy and now being an adult with a food allergy it, I find it grounding in some ways because it does give you a greater sense of empathy and it is something that you're constantly navigating and um, it is a chronic condition, right? And whenever you have something chronic, it's this constant force in your life. Like I always like to describe it as a wheel that's always turning. So even if you're not consciously focusing on your food allergy all day, because, you know, generally we're not, we're just living our lives, there is always this wheel turning, and so I think when you meet someone else who has a different kind of wheel that's also always turning, you can relate to them in some way. I think that's so interesting. Like, like you said, like debunking that kind of like myth where everyone's like, oh, you'll be fine once you get older. Like, it's not like you're going to be fine. You just kind of, you, you, you kind of evolve, don't you? You kind of find different ways to kind of like go about your allergy. What piece of advice would you give to the listeners out there? Maybe, um, I'll say first piece of advice, what would you give to a younger listener, maybe living with a severe allergy and does kind of manage, uh, deal with anxiety or maybe speaking up about it to friends? 
I think, you know what? My husband recently described to me as embracing your weird because I've always been, I've always kind of not, not felt like I fit in. And I think a lot of it has to do with always like participating in a different way when I was a kid and like that just sticking throughout my life. And I think embracing your weird is just really important and leaning into it. And there were so many times when I was actually like afraid or or scared to speak up for myself. And I thought, oh, I can just handle this all alone. Like I don't have to tell anyone about my allergy. It's all on me anyways. I don't need anyone's support. But that was kind of short-sighted because you do need your network and you do need your friends. And when you find your friends who really care, they're so important and like, I like, I love my friends so much because they really, really care. And so don't be afraid to just speak up for yourself and say who you are and and talk about this part of you. Because when you find the friends who really care and who connect, then they're going to be on your team and they're going to be there to support you. And that just, it's just such a wonderful feeling. I think that's so true. Like when you do kind of find your friends, which are kind of like support it and like, love you because of, of who you are but also having an allergy as well and for me it's quite interesting because one of my mate who's been like so supportive his two young brothers got diagnosed with allergies um as he got older which was like so fascinating because he was just like coming to me being like oh well i've seen the way you kind of live with an allergy and it's not let it like define you i know it's not gonna let it define my brother so i think kind of what you say there is like yeah like you're, you're in awareness and you shouldn't be ever kind of feel defined by your allergy as well what advice would you give? And I know you've kind of spoke about this. What advice would you give to parents? Because I feel like obviously that you don't want them to wrap him up in like too much kind of cotton wool living with these allergies. And then when they get out in the real world, they, they kind of can't really cope with it. So what kind of piece of advice would you give to the parents who've, who've got a kid with a food allergy? Advice I would give to parents of kids with food allergies is to always, <clears throat> excuse me, find ways to empower them and Things can always be done. Even if something seems like it's a challenge, there's always a way around it and learning to face your challenges and find your own way to navigate through them builds a lot of personal strength because then you think, you know, you can do anything. You know, you can do anything. You're just going to always have to do it in your own way. And to me, that's really important because there are times when I could have let my allergies hold me back, times when I did let my allergies hold me back. And those are the things that I regret, but I never regret pushing myself and finding a way to make something work for me and to have the experience or do the thing that I really, really want to do. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think it's so important, like you you kind of touched on the point of empowerment and not to kind of instill fear. And like you said, it's so important to instill empowerment and that they've got an allergy and it's not going to let it define them or they're still going to go on to achieve amazing things in life, whether they were go abroad or whatever um so yeah i think that's important but yeah, i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today if anyone wants to find you on your instagram and youtube channels um is it everyday allergy free is that correct everyday allergen free allergen free so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> nearly there you know what <laughs> everyone like... says everyday allergy free i should probably just change it <laughs> like... i mean it's a it's about half seven over here so i can't <laughs> It's getting, it's getting late at night now. What time is it in Toronto? Is it about half two? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like 2.30. Yeah. 
But yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe to Making Sense so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And yeah, thank you, Amanda, for coming on today. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.